Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, y'all. <laughs> How's it going? Good. Y'all look good. Mm, thank you. Thanks, girl. We're just waiting for everyone to kind of sit. Everyone's like scrambling. So funny. How was your week? I love it. Give me a word. It's not over. It's Sunday. It's beginning. Encouraging. That's beautiful. Anyone else? Roller coaster. Roller coasters are fun, though. What is it? Grateful. Absolutely grateful. Isn't it crazy to think like we're just on this floating rock <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and God has brought all of us together? Isn't that interesting? There's seven billion of us in this world and God picked like 75 and then he was like, they're gonna hang out on Sunday. <laughs> but <clears throat> my week has been beautiful as well. Um, I really have taken a deep dive into breath work. And so I just want to share a little bit of that with you guys today. Um, it's not recommended to do when you're driving. <laughs> um, it does put you in a different space. But what I will say before I teach you the actual therapy of it is to trust yourself. Trust yourself as you dive deeper into it. Trust yourself as you open up trust yourself as the emotion might come up trust that you are strong enough to allow it to rise and it passes right the law of impermanence it rises and it passes and so what i've been practicing is called pranayama prana meaning energy life force ayama meaning to lengthen to strengthen longevity so we breathe to engage with our life force energy to strengthen and to lengthen our vitality, our knowledge, our wisdom, our mind, our consciousness. And the breath itself, I mean, think about it. You can't live without the breath. The first thing we do when we enter this earth plane is we breathe. And the last thing that we do before we leave and we transition is we breathe. We take that last breath. And so if this is something that the Lord has given to us, why aren't we using it to our advantage to heal, to dive deeper, to, to really just get deep within our hearts and to allow God to just live within us. It's a place of acknowledgement that you come home to when you can get in touch with your breath. Think about the times where you might be facing a little bit of an emotional storm. Normally the breath, let's say anxiety, it's very fast, right? Very, very fast. But think about right before you go to bed, the breath is very slow, right? Think about when you're working or working out, the breath is faster. But think about when you're relaxed, the breath is slow. And so let's say that you're in a place where you're facing some sort of panic or anxiety or fear and the heart starts to beat and the breath starts to increase. You have the power to slow that breath down and take control, take your control back and to acknowledge what's going on and to transform that energy into something new. And so this breath... Um, what we're gonna do, I'm gonna show you first, you can practice with me, and then we'll do two rounds of it. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a deep breath in, and we're gonna 
Exhale all the way out. In through the nose, though, and out through the nose. Okay? So we're going to close our mouths. Deep breath in. And then out through the nose. Okay? And then we're going to do that. I'm going to do 11. I like the number 11. 11 breaths. So we'll do a round of 11, and then we'll do a round of 15. But when you are wrapping the breath up, you're going to exhale, and you're going to hold. I'm not going to tell you how long to hold. Just trust yourself. And right before you go to, you let go of that breath. Are you okay? <laughs> okay. Um, right before you go to breathe in, you take a deep breath in, and you hold again, and then you let go, and you just let be, okay? So it's gonna look something like this. And then when we wrap up, I'll count down, three more breaths left. Hold. And then you breathe in. Hold. B. Okay? All right. And so allow your feet to be firm on the floor. Align your spine. You can make neck circles. Allow your shoulders to fall back. Hands up to receive. I encourage you to put your hands up. When we put our hands down, we are gonna wanna clench. So put your hands up to receive. And in this moment, I just want you to focus on your heartbeat. How beautiful is it that the heart is just beating for us? I'd ask for you to set your intention right now. When you are done setting your attention, Bring the focus to the middle of the eyebrows on the forehead. Allow this to be your point of focus as we breathe. And just take a few calm breaths. Deep inhale in, exhale, inhale, exhale. Good job, inhale. you can and trust yourself in this moment and when you're ready to come out big inhale hold it and let go when you're ready you just let go of so much Keep the focus in the middle of the forehead. 
And as your eyes are closed, you see the dark space, that infinite space. You are that infinite consciousness. The thoughts, they just live within this space. And you are not the thoughts, but you are that infinite consciousness. Feel your body. And before we come back home, feel this gentleness flow throughout your body, this energy, this life force. And we do one more round, just like that. So when you're ready, deep inhale. Let go. Good job, inhale. Three more. Exhale. Hold it. And when you're ready, you can inhale. And we hold. And then we allow it to just be. I want you to acknowledge this peace that's flowing through you right now. The infinite consciousness that you are. Acknowledge what you just let go of. Acknowledge all of the gratitude that you just invited into your life with this breath. May you remember that you are this life that you are this life force energy. And with this, you can overcome all. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be here today. Thank you, Heartway, for this space. Thank you for allowing us to open our hearts together. Amen. When you're ready, may you come back home. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. So I'm really excited to share the message that God has given, uh, given me, which uh, in part is my personal testimony. Uh, this will be the first time I get a chance to speak here at HeartRace, so thank you, Danny, for allowing me this opportunity. Um, before we get started, if we can just join me in a, in a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, ah, thank you, thank you for allowing me this opportunity to speak to your people. I ask, Lord, that you would tailor this message to each individual here and those that would eventually watch online. Holy Spirit, move in this room. Be present, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, the wisdom from the wilderness. So the wilderness is generally described as a dry and desolate place. It's a tough place to be in. But I learned through my personal experience that there is a reason, a purpose for why God takes us into the wilderness. So what I want us to do um, today is to go on a journey together through the wilderness using examples that we see in the scriptures as well as my personal experience and see if we can extract the wisdom that's hidden within. Amen? Uh, take a look at the scripture. This is from Isaiah. <clears throat> Behold, I am doing something new. 
You see, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the desert. So right away we see that the wilderness is where God begins to do something new. It's often in the wilderness that he shifts the direction of our lives. It is there that he shifts our focus. It's there that he makes a way. The answers, the solutions that you're looking for are actually going to come in the wilderness. Even though it's a dry and desolate place, he promises to create rivers in the desert. He can still bring blessing and, and, and new life in that situation. But what got to me was the second part. If you can put the scripture back up there, please. You see, I have already begun. Do you not see it? See, God wouldn't say this if he didn't expect us to be able to see what he was doing. So I was getting frustrated with God because I'm like, God, I don't see it. <laughs> what are you doing right now? <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of times we feel the same way. And I think it's funny sometimes how God reveals things to me. You know, the, the way he speaks to me is not necessarily the way that he's going to speak to you. He does tailor his message. But as I began to meditate on this and, and bring this to God, he actually brought a scene from a, a movie, a movie I hadn't seen in over 20 years. But for whatever reason, I remember this specific scene. So I want to show it to you right now. May I come in? If you bend your medial collateral ligaments, place one talus in front of another, I don't see where you'd have a problem. Of course, if there were a news story covering this event, the headline might read, Small Brain Enters Room. Fingers. What's the answer? Oh, you're another one of those bright young fellows who always know the right answer, Anna. Welcome to real life. Focus on the problem. Look at me. How many do you see? No. Look beyond the fingers. How many do you see? chooses not to see out of fear, conformity, laziness. To see the whole world anew each day. Now the truth is you're well on the way. Isn't that great? And I feel that's exactly what God was telling me. Stop focusing on the problem. Look at me. If you focus on the problem, you won't be able to see the solution. Look beyond the fingers, right? Look beyond your present circumstances. Choose to see what others don't see. Choose to see the world anew every single day. And so as I began to try to shift my focus from the problem and fix my gaze on God, I began to get a glimpse into what he was doing. And ultimately, there's three things that he's trying to do when he leads us into the wilderness. And that's to prepare us, for where he is taking us. He wants to provide for us. He wants to reveal himself as a provider. And he wants to produce something in us. So we start our journey today with the people of Israel and the story of Exodus. If you're not familiar with the story, um, 
This is a very famous story. Uh, the people of Israel were in Egypt. They were slaves for 400 years. They cry out to God. He sends Moses. They, he sends 10 plagues. He parts the Red Sea. And now they're on the other side, on the way to the promised land. But first, God leads them into the wilderness. So I want you to see that this is something that God is doing. Now, not every difficult season in your life is going to be a wilderness. But there are times when God is the one that leads us into the wilderness to prepare us for where he's taking us. Now, they're on the way to the promised land, a land that was described to be filled with milk and honey, and it was that and a lot more. It had an abundance of natural resources. It had rich, fertile lands, everything that they needed to prosper. But it also was inhabited by enemies they weren't yet ready to face, enemies that were stronger than they were. So he leads them into the wilderness, not just to prepare them to inhabit the land, but to conquer it. The problem is that when we first step into the wilderness and we start to experience the difficulties therein, we tend to ask questions like, God, why is this happening to me? Or like the Israelites did, God, why have you brought us here? Now, these are questions that show us that we're focusing on the problem. So in order for us to shift our focus from the problem and on to God, we have to change the question. We have to change the narrative that we're telling ourselves. So I learned to ask, God, what are you trying to teach me right now? What is it that you're preparing me for? What is it that you want me to learn right here, right now, in this moment, in this season? And as you do this, it's important that you stay open to the process that God wants to take you through. Because what you'll notice that often in the wilderness, you'll find yourself wondering, how is this going to prepare me for that? How is what I'm going through right now supposed to prepare me for where God is taking me? And that's because God's way of preparing us is not our way of preparing us. We see this with Moses. Before he was able to take the people of Israel from Egypt to the promised land, he had to spend 40 years in the wilderness taking care of sheep. Now, none of us would ever think that to be a great leader, you should go take care of sheep. But God's ways are not our ways. Let me, I want to share a story with you guys about a young prince. <clears throat> Now, this prince was deposed from his position as prince when an enemy came and overran his kingdom. So the prince flees to a neighboring realm where he has a friend who rules as king. Now, he thought that his friend, being the king, would just give him a new territory to rule. But instead, the king gives him a hundred sheep. So the prince is confused. He's puzzled. He takes the sheep out to the field. And soon, a pack of wolves comes and kills all the sheep. So the prince goes back to the king, and this time the king gives him 50 sheep. So now he goes back to the field, and again, a pack of wolves comes, ravages the flock, and kills all the sheep. So once again, the prince goes back to the king, and this time the king gives him 25 sheep. But now the prince thinks to himself, if I don't take care of these sheep, the king isn't going to give me any more. So now he hires guards, he builds fences, and soon his 25 sheep grow to 500 sheep. So now he goes back to the king, tells him what happened, and this time the king orders that he be given uh, territory to rule. So the prince asks, uh, why now? And the king replied, when you first came to me, you took leadership for granted. Now you understand that to be a good leader you have to take care of your people. This is what I wanted you to learn. And I believe that this is what God wanted Moses to learn. I call it the Mr. Miyagi effect. <laughs> you guys remember the Karate Kid. He wants to learn how to fight, so Mr. Miyagi sends him to wash cars and paint fences. What? <laughs> how is this going to prepare me for that? But the master knows. God knows. So it's important that we embrace the process that God is taking us and learn to trust that whatever it is we're going through is ultimately preparing us for where God is taking us. 
The truth is, is that even Jesus had to endure the wilderness. We read in the Gospels that once he was baptized, it was the Holy Spirit that leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And it was in overcoming this temptation that he was ultimately prepared for his ministry. So if even the Son of God had to go through the wilderness to be prepared, how much more do we need it? It was August of 2018 when I was unexpectedly and unjustly really fired from my job. To make a long story short, I work in the mortgage industry, and at the time I was a pipeline manager for uh, one of the top producers in that lending company. We were doing a lot of business with a lot of different people. Somehow, corporate got word that there might be some fraud going on, which we had no idea. Nevertheless, they did an investigation, and they realized that one of our referral partners was submitting fraudulent documents. So, uh, again, we didn't know that this uh, was going on. It wasn't even my referral partner. It was my uh, boss's referral partner. But they felt that somebody needed to get fired, and I was it. And so I entered my wilderness, which will go from August of 2018 through December of 2019. Now, I did not know this at the time, but looking back, this is what was happening. And so I decided to you know, start my own, my own book of clients, to generate my own business, to establish my own relationships. But like anybody who's ever started their own thing, at first, it's not much coming in. And so um, for the first time in my life, I did not know when my next check was going to come, how much it would be, or if it would be enough. But this is how God began to train me and prepare me to walk by faith and not by sight. This is how I learned how to trust him for my daily bread. Sure, there are seasons in life where God will prosper us and he gives us security and stability and vision for the future. But there are seasons where he gives us our daily bread, our daily wisdom. And this is exactly where I was at. And so for the first eight months, I only closed three deals, forcing me to live primarily, pretty much entirely from my savings. Everything that I had saved up to that point, I was gonna use to buy a home, including my retirement account. And I remember at this point is April of 2019 when I'm taking the last distribution uh, from my retirement account, just a couple thousand dollars that I had left. And I remember I looked up to God and I said, that's it. I'm out of money. <laughs> if you don't do something now, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so um, I believe that's exactly where he wanted me. You see, he needed me to get to the end of myself so that he can show me who he is. And it was the very next month that I closed five deals and made over $20,000. Wow. Now, more so than the amount, it was the timing. The timing and how it all came together. You know, the majority of those deals weren't in my pipeline. They almost seemed to just fall out of the sky. Now, I wouldn't be out of the wilderness just yet. As I said, this went through December of 2019. We're now in May, okay? So he would once again allow things to dry up as he continued to work in me. But now God had proven himself as a provider. You see, it's not until you get to the end of yourself and you use up all of your resources that you're forced to rely on God that you really and truly get to experience him and know him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, your provider. I was reading about this army engineer <clears throat> who handles the logistics for the army. And what he does is that when the army gets ready to deploy a bunch of troops, he's the one that tells them how much food and water and medical supplies they're going to need. So he was doing an analysis of the story of Exodus, which most people, most historians believe it was anywhere between two to three million people. So using the same methods he does for the army, he said that to feed this many people, they would have needed 2,000 tons of food every day. That's four million pounds of food every single day, 
which would have taken three freight trains, each a mile long, filled with food every day. He also said they would have taken 11 million gallons of water every single day, which would have taken a freight train filled with water 20 miles long every single day. And this is why I believe that the greatest miracle of the story of Exodus aren't the 10 plagues. It's not even how Moses parted the Red Sea. The greatest miracle on the story of Exodus is how God was able to provide for 3 million people in the middle of a wilderness, not for a day or a week, but for 40 years. Guys, God has resources that you haven't even thought of. We read in the scriptures that he caused manna to rain down from the sky. If you're not, if you're not familiar with the story, Manna is described to be a white, flaky substance, fine as frost, white as coriander seed, and tasted like honey wafers. Fresh supply every day. Now, the word manna itself literally means, what is this? And that's what God wants to do. He wants to surprise you. He wants to show you something you haven't seen before so that you can get to experience him in a greater way. This is why he said in Isaiah, in our opening scriptures, I am doing something new. The problem is that we're so accustomed to looking at our usual sources of provision, our job, our bank account, our family, or our own ability to produce an income. But God is saying, like the old man in the video, look at me. I will provide and that's exactly what he did for the Israelites, and that's exactly what he did for me. Now, he does all of this because he's looking to produce something in you that he otherwise would not be able to produce, and that's character and intimacy with him. <clears throat> now, this is the part of the journey that hurts. This is the part of the journey where we get uncomfortable when God starts to work on our character. You see, when things begin to dry up, you have a choice. You either respond with faith or with fear. And when we respond with fear, it leads to anxiety, it leads to stress, and we usually start to complain. And this is exactly how the Israelites responded. They had just seen God, if you can take a look at the scripture. They had just seen God uh, send 10 plagues against Egypt. They saw how he parted the Red Sea. Now, just a few days later, they're in the wilderness, they're hungry, they're thirsty, and this is how they replied. Oh, that we were back in Egypt. It would have been better if the Lord had killed us there. At least there we had plenty to eat. But now you have brought us into this desert to starve us to death. How dramatic. But that's exactly what we do. We so quickly forget how God has helped us in the past, as if he helped us then, but he's not going to help us now. He delivered us back then, but he's not going to deliver us now. And if we're not careful, we can actually wish to go back to the very place that we asked him to deliver us from. Oh, that we were back in Egypt, they said, where they were slaves. So how do we keep ourselves from responding with fear and instead respond with faith? One second. <clears throat> One word. Remember. Okay, we have to remember his faithfulness. We have to remember what he's done in the past. You know, that season in my life was so tough but I'm so grateful that now I can remember how he provided for me. I can remember how he delivered me all the way through. I was uh, hearing this story about Gladys Aylward. She was a Christian missionary in the uh, early 1900s. And she talks about a time when she was in China taking care of about 100 orphans. <clears throat> and they were forced to flee the area where they were at because the Japanese army was invading their, uh, their village. So the only way out was either through the army or over this mountain on the other side. And so she describes this moment where she can see the army invading. 
She sees the mountain on the other side. She sees the hundred orphans that she's responsible for, and she panics, and she froze in fear. Until a little 13-year-old girl, one of the orphans that she was taking care of, comes up to her and says, Miss Gladys, remember how God led Moses through the desert? To which she replied, yeah, but I'm not Moses. And the little girl said, yeah, but God is still God. You see, I believe that that's what happens to us. We read these stories and we're like, well, I'm not Moses. I'm not King David. I'm not the Apostle Paul. And that's true. But God is still God. It's never been about us. From start to finish, it's about God in his love, his grace, his faithfulness. Even if we're unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. So if we simply learn to make it a habit to remember his faithfulness, we will ultimately arrive at the same place that James, the brother of Jesus, arrived at when he said, count it all joy. I like how the message translation puts it. Consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your life is forced into the open. It shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of it prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I love that, that last part because what happens as soon as we get into the wilderness and we start to experience these difficulties, we scream out, God, get me out of here. But he's telling us, don't try to get out of it prematurely. Allow the process of God to take its toll so that you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Next scripture. I like how the apostle Peter puts it. He says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Your and purifies gold, and, your, and though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day that Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So in order to understand this, you have to understand how does fire purify gold? Now, pure gold is 24 carats, but it's rarely, if ever, found in its purest form. So what they used to do is that the goldsmiths would take the gold and they would expose it to intense heat. They would put it in the fire. And gold, being the heavier metal, would sink to the bottom. And the impurities, like copper and nickel, would rise to the top. And so the goldsmith would come and scoop out the impurities and separate them from the gold. So God allows the wilderness to act like a refining fire to expose the impurities. Now, please hear me. This is not to condemn you or to make you feel guilty or ashamed in any way. Simply to make you aware. But what do we do? We blame our circumstances. We blame people. Or we blame God. I'll give you a practical example. If you find yourself in traffic and you're yelling at the cars around you, you might be tempted to blame the traffic or the bad drivers. But that anger, that impatience was already in you. The traffic is simply exposing it to you. Or if you, every time you see a certain person, you start to feel some type of way. <laughs> that bitterness, that unforgiveness is already in you. This person is simply exposing it to you. So the wilderness does the same thing except at a much larger scale. It is an entire season of God bringing these things to the surface so that you can one by one bring them to him. God, I have a lot of anger in my heart. I have a lot of unforgiveness, a lot of bitterness, a lot of discontent or regret, whatever it is that you're dealing with. And one by one, he can begin to scoop these things out 
until all that's left is pure gold. You see, he knows the gifts and talents he's placed inside you. He knows your true potential. He knows that inside of you, there's pure gold. So <clears throat> this part hurts. The fire hurts, I know, because this is exactly what he did with me. I used to heavily indulge in the party scene. And I would not only drink excessively, but I would often do a lot of cocaine. And so I would rationalize my behavior by saying that, oh, well, I only do this on the weekend, you know, Monday through Friday, I handle my business. But the difficulties of the wilderness exposed something in me that I otherwise did not want to admit. And that said, I had a problem. But I'm so thankful for the amazing people that God puts in my life. Like my, my younger brother who loved me and encouraged me every step of the way. Thank you, bro. I love you. Um, I didn't know you were going to be here, but my ex-girlfriend who um, was instrumental in helping me get help. Thank you. And this community. You see, it was during this time that we were first preparing to launch our circles of trust. And before we launched it to the rest of the community, you know, we did it as a small group. And it, this is where I took that leap of faith. And for the first time in my life, I was vulnerable. And I told them what was really going on. So when I get up here, you know, and, and, and I tell you and I encourage you to go to circles of trust, it's because I know the release that I felt when the shame and the guilt lifted off me, when I released the truth. You see, you know, I was supposed to be a leader, right? And they didn't realize what was going on. But when I told them what was really going on, they embraced me. They loved me and they encouraged me, and for that, I am eternally grateful. Thank you, man. So by the grace of God, I was able to break that addiction, you know? And last week, on July 22nd, I made uh, three years cocaine-free. So God takes us into the wilderness to prepare us for where he's taking us. He reveals himself to be a faithful provider. And he begins to work on our character. All of this is leading to a final destination, intimacy with God. Because how can you have faith in a God you do not know? How can you trust the God you do not know? The scriptures say that if you seek God with all of your heart, you will find him. The problem is that when everything is going well, we have this tendency of pushing God to the side. So often, God uses the wilderness to put us in a situation where we need him. And we see in the story of Exodus that he would lead the people of Israel with a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire during the night. Now, you have to remember, this is the desert. So it's really hot during the day and really cold at night. So if they wanted to stay cool during the day, they had to stay close to God under the shade of the cloud. If they wanted to stay warm at night, they had to stay close to God under the heat of the fire. So God uses the, the wilderness to draw you close. It was there where I first learned how to pray with all of my heart. The wilderness literally brought me to my knees as I cried out to God and said, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. It was there where I learned how to make it a habit to spend time with God. It was no longer this thing that I did every once in a while when I kind of get around to it. Time with God became a priority. It was there where I first learned to worship him and sing his praises. He was no longer a concept or an idea. He became a real person who stood beside me through one of the toughest seasons in my life. 
And the beautiful thing about getting close to God is that you begin to hear him more clearly. And it was there where I first heard from him. I was walking up to Hartway really early in the, uh, one Sunday morning. And back then, we used to get here, uh, you know, a few of us would get here really early to set everything up. You know, the drapes, the stage, everything you see, we would set it up every single Sunday. And so I'm walking up, and I see this kid that would often come to, to help us. And as I'm about to say hello, I noticed that his glasses were broken. And so, you know, um, I'm about to say hello, and, and I hear this voice as clear as day say, help him get new glasses. And I was kind of taken back a little bit. It was, I never, nothing, nothing like that had ever happened to me before. And so I didn't tell him what was going on. I just you know, said hello. I came inside and started processing what, what just happened because I couldn't deny what I heard. I couldn't deny what I felt when I heard it. But at the same time, I wasn't trying to get anybody new glasses. <laughs> I was struggling, okay? I needed a blessing. I needed a miracle. And so I was getting angry with God. I was like, God, isn't there some rich person you can go ask? <laughs> and he said, yeah, there is. But I want to use you. He wants to use you. And that's when I learned a valuable lesson. I love your story. Holy Spirit couldn't put it together any more, any more perfect. Because what I learned about hearing from God, because we all want to hear from God, but the question is, are you willing to obey? Because what happens when God asks you to do something you don't want to do? So for the rest of the day, I'm just wrestling with God, going back and forth with him. I couldn't even enjoy the football games. I was just like going back and forth because, again, I couldn't deny what I heard. I couldn't deny what I felt. And I did not want to miss an opportunity to be used by God. And I remember it was 9 o'clock that night when the spirit finally broke through. And, you know, I didn't have his number, so I messaged him through Facebook. And so I, I, I messaged him and I said, hey, hey, man, I noticed that, you know, earlier you came to church and your glasses were broken. Did, did you need help getting new glasses? And then he replied in all caps, a bunch of exclamation points, yes. And so I knew his situation was a little rough, and he didn't have a ride. So that was Sunday night. So I was like, OK, I'm going to go Tuesday, and I'll go pick you up, and we'll go. Mind you, I have 15-20 eye vision, OK? So my left eye is actually better than 20-20. So I have never needed glasses. So I did not know how much this was cost. And I had, <laughs> and I had $390 in my account, OK? I had no savings. My credit card is maxed out, okay? So I pick them up, and we get to this place. And, um, you know, they're having to buy one, get one. So I'm like, okay, we're going to get a great deal. And, you know, so he picks out his two glasses. He gets his eye exam and, um, you know, for the prescription. And the guy rings us up, and it's $386. And my heart dropped to my stomach. <gasps> And so I wish I can tell you that I had the faith to give it all. But I am so grateful that all God wants is a mustard seed of faith. Just a little bit of faith. Just take one small step in his direction. Now, I didn't tell him about the internal turmoil that I was feeling. <laughs> My poker face was on point that day. That's all I'm going to say. So I calmly look over to him and said, okay, I'm gonna pay for half, and you, know, you can cover the other half. And he said, no, that's, that's great, thank you, that's perfect. So he couldn't take the glasses home that day because um, you know, they had to put this prescription, so you know, I dropped them off, and I remember that as I'm heading home, this peace came over me, which was rare because now I was more broke, you know? <laughs> I had less money, but I had more peace. I had less money, but I had a greater confidence that somehow everything was going to be okay. It's as if God used that moment 
to break the fear within me, the fear that a lot of us struggle with, that if we give in our time of need, we're not going to have enough for ourselves. That is a lie. There's this poem in my Bible. It's not part of the actual Bible, but my Bible has a bunch of different things in it. It's very short. It's very simple. It says, there once was a man, and they thought he was mad. The more he gave, the more he had. And I remember I used to read that. I'm like, what are these people talking about? (laughs) But in that moment, I knew. I knew. And when I saw him come in the next week with his new glasses on, I can't even express the joy that I felt. It was greater than any high I had ever experienced. I said, God, forget alcohol, forget drugs. I want this. Give me more of this. Now, I didn't tell anybody. I told him not to tell anybody. This is simply a moment between God and me. You see, the Bible describes God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob which means he is a personal God. And it was in the wilderness that he became my God. He became the God of Raphael. You see, he doesn't just want to be the God of the Bible. He wants to be your God. But only you can let him in. And that's the wisdom from the wilderness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you guys so much. I love you guys. I am so thankful again for this opportunity, and thank you for coming to Hardway Church.